Welcome to an inspiring message from Pastor John Cameron, lead pastor of Arise Church in New Zealand. We know this message will encourage, inspire, and empower you. Psalm 103 this morning is our text, Psalm 103. We're talking at the moment uh, over the next two weeks about the art of gratefulness. We live in a time in our current age of perhaps unprecedented prosperity. We have so much. I mean, I literally see people moaning because they only have an iPhone 6. Like we live in an age of unprecedented prosperity. I'm looking out at hundreds of people here. There are thousands of people listening to this message. I bet you everybody has a pair of shoes on their feet. People ate breakfast this morning if they chose to. Nearly in every case are people in this room. People have cars to drive in. We have homes that we live in. We have holidays that we can go on. We live in an age of unprecedented prosperity. Fast in New Zealand, the greatest threat to our health, wait for it, is obesity. Our challenge is not stunting through malnutrition. It's eating so much that it's having a negative impact, not just on our waistline, but on our sense of well-being. We live in an age of prosperity. Can I get an amen to that? Yet at the same time, we also live in a time of great inner turmoil. Ours is a generation full of anxiety and stress, depression. Even teenagers are now surveying saying that I am stressed out. Young adults are suffering from anxiety. And we live in an age of great angst. Is this not true? We live in a world where for many people, all the stuff that we have is not representing a life that is filled with wonder and awe. We live in a world of begrudging service, of entitlement, of envy and of comparison. And it just simply seems, guys, looking at it, that there is very little correlation between the amount of stuff that we have and the feeling of good health on the inside. It seems to me like that for all the things we have, it doesn't mean that we have an increase in the quality of the life that we're living. All the stuff that we have doesn't seem to be changing positively the way that we inwardly feel. We are increasing in possessions and we are decreasing in enjoyment. And that's something that's worthy of our attention. And if there is something extra, if there is a missing ingredient, if there's something that we can add to our lives that will improve things for us, then we owe it to ourselves to devote our time and attention to discovering what it was, what it is. And when we think about our lives and when we consider the great disconnect in our society between stuff and inner health, when we look at the fact that people today can watch a movie anytime they want, can get access to goods and services like never before, yet so many people are feeling like they don't like the life that we are living. We as Christians better push back from the table and ask ourselves what's missing. Well, when we read our Bible as Christians, we quickly start to realize that we're not the first generation to ever encounter this problem. 
In fact, when you read the Bible, I love the book of Deuteronomy because I view the book of Deuteronomy in the Scriptures as God getting people ready for prosperity. The Israelites are about to go over into the promised land and at the end of their 40 year journey through the wilderness, God has Moses write the book of Deuteronomy to get them ready for what is about to come next. They were about to step into the land flowing with milk and honey. Now I'm here preaching to New Zealanders. Online you might be from everywhere, but we live right here in New Zealand. Guys, we are the land that flows with milk and honey. If you've got shares in Fonterra and Manuka honey, your life is sweet right now. We live in the land of milk and honey. And as God is preparing them to enter into prosperity, He wrote the book of Deuteronomy for us. And this is what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 10. When you have eaten and you are satisfied. He's saying, okay, year 2018, that's you and me. When your waistline is bulging, when you have more than enough, when the goods in your life are increasing with unprecedented measure. He said, when you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord. He said, stop and be thankful. Stop and be grateful. Pause and let gratitude be awakened in your life. It goes on, he says, you better be careful because if you don't, you will forget the Lord your God, fail to obey His commands and His decrees. And otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses, everybody here has got a house to live in. When you have herds and flocks, they grow large. When your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God. You will become full of yourself, proud, and you'll forget God. You will miss an ingredient that is essential to your life to be what you want it to be. And God literally said, listen, guys, when your things increase, make sure that your intentionality increases too. When your life is a blessed life, Make sure that you're increasing in gratefulness as you're increasing in every good. Because if you don't, you will increase in stuff and you will decrease in wonder. You will be living a life that is increasingly occupied with things, let increasingly diminishing in meaning and significance. And I don't know about you, I don't think that's what God wants for us. I don't think that's what the Christian life is supposed to look like. But when I consider the age in which we live and the increasing cycle of people looking for ways that their happiness can increase while they're always living with such abundance, it just seems to me that it's wisdom to push back and say, what does God have to say about this? Because the truth is, team, that it is easy that with the more we have, the less likely we become to give the glory and honor to God. I mean, it is so easy to live a life where the stuff in our lives is increasing, but the thankfulness towards God is not. Romans chapter 1, verse 21. Although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him. They just stopped being thankful. They stopped being grateful. They neither glorified Him as God, nor did they give thanks to Him. Okay, let's read what happens next. So 
Their thinking became foolish and their foolish hearts were darkened. Their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. In other words, they reached a point where their thoughts and their hearts were dark and without purpose. They reached a point in their life where their thoughts and their emotions were darkened. Track with me. They were blessed, yet they didn't pause for gratefulness. So their emotional world and their thought life became darkened. Let me now describe for you the greatest challenges of our generation. Envy, entitlement, bitterness, resentment, fear, and worry. Are we seeing a picture that perhaps because we have increased in stuff, but not increased in gratefulness, we're living out Romans 1.21. That because we didn't pause to give thanks, our thinking became futile and our foolish hearts were darkened. The emotions I just read out before are all emotions that summed up in a sentence spell depression. And the Bible is saying the reason why we're so low when our quality of material life is so high is because we don't pause to give God the glory. We stopped being grateful. And could it be that the cure to our societal disease is the wonder of worship creating within us an attitude of gratefulness? Come on, am I talking to anybody today? Could we just maybe realize that what God's saying to us is stop focusing on what you don't have and what everybody else has and how much you feel deserving of and instead realize every good thing you have came from a giver and that your God has blessed you, that you ate this morning, you've got food on on your table, you've got clothes on your back. And you could always do with a new pair of sneakers, but your God has blessed you. And that's a reason to say, thank you, God. And to be grateful and to be grateful. And guys, as Christian believers, if there is one thing that we should crush, it's gratefulness. Because the Christian worldview is acknowledging not that we are awesome, amazing, deserving of every good thing, victims for what we haven't got. The Christian life starts by saying this, I was made by a holy God who created me in His image, but I chose to turn my back on Him because of my selfishness, pride, because of my own folly and my own lust. I have chosen to live a life that is dishonoring of Him. Because of that, I am deserving of eternal judgment and hell. Yet God in His abundant grace sent His Son to die on a cross for all the wrong. While I was still a sinner, Jesus died and paid the price for all of my own shame and sin. And because of Jesus, I now have access to a loving relationship with God and an eternal home in heaven. I'm not deserving of it, but I was blessed with it. So gratitude towards God is my fundamental emotion. That's why wonder and worship are available for a Christian because I realize what I am truly deserving of. So then everything I have is a gift from God. I used to travel with an old green suitcase. 
And I've told the story before, but I want to tell it again because it's a good story. This old green suitcase, it was one of those travel bags that you carried your suit in. Today, they're almost redundant because nobody travels with a suit anymore. But uh, it's one of those bags where you'd lay it flat, open it up, and then you'd put your suit jackets and your shirts inside it. And then you'd zip it up, fold it, and then zip it around the edges and carry it like this. And, and uh, it was an old green suitcase, so old that it was like ripping in parts. It had brown leather and the brown leather was all scuffed to pieces. It had two handles, but only one of them worked. Um, you know, it was just, it was just, it looked like something that the Salvation Army store rejected, like not worthy of our shoppers. You know what I mean? Like it, it was so bad. People would pick me up from the airport. I was the guest speaker and I'd be traveling with the suitcase. And when they rolled up to get me from the airport, they'd look at me like, hey, here's our guest. Okay, all right. You know, like they'd, they'd see the suitcase and you're supposed to give off this air of like, I'm, I'm the guest speaker and I got it going on. And then they'd look at the suitcase and they'd be like, he does not have it going. Like it, it was like a massive disconnect. And people would look at me with pity. Like maybe we should buy the preacher a suitcase. You know what I'm saying? Like, we got to help this guy out. And what they didn't know about the suitcase, what you wouldn't have appreciated about the suitcase was that the suitcase was not something I purchased. It was something that I was given. I was given that suitcase by somebody who was given it by another person. And that person was given it by Keith Green. Now, if you're an old Christian, you know who Keith Green is. For all you young people, just Google him. But anyway, Keith Green, not now, flight mode zone in. But when you get home, Google. But Keith Green, Keith Green was a famous musician who literally just like changed the scene of what it meant to be a Christian musician and songwriter and worship leader. Really just was instrumental in the entire Jesus movement in America, an incredible, incredible leader. And this guy gave that suitcase to me. And this is what he said. I want to give you the suitcase because it belonged to Keith Green. And I see something of that spirit in you. So when I carried that green suitcase, I wasn't carrying an old green suitcase. I didn't begrudge it. It was a gift. It meant something to me. It symbolized something in my life. When in my life, I don't have any old green suitcases. When everything that I have when everyone in my world, when every, every, every street I walk, every, every day at my job, I see gifts from a giver, then being a Christian has infiltrated everything about the way I see my life. That's what God wants for us, is to see that every good, James 1, every good and perfect thing came down from the Father of lights in whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Every good thing in your life has a giver, and the giver is God. And when my mind is like that, I'm not living my life looking at what I don't have and what I'm deserving of, and what if they've got it, and if I had it, my life would be better. 
I've pushed back from that. I'm saying instead, as a Christian believer, God has abundantly blessed me. He has given me richly more than I deserve. And because He gave me a wife who loves me, children who know my name, because I have a bed, because I have a car to drive, and I'd always like a new one, but because I've got it, because I have shoes on my feet, I should get out of bed every day and just say, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Somebody pays me to do this job. I'm thank you. I can't believe it. I mean, we should be living every day, pausing to be thankful. Why? Because this will stop us from falling into this. Stuff with no quality of life. If we want the life God has for us, we have to pause to be grateful. I want to encourage everybody in our church family through the month of November, let's make this a season where we stop and we say thank you. You know, one of the things Jillian and I do is every year we give a Christmas present and a card to our our children's teacher and principal every year. And in that card, we always write how grateful we are for the teacher, how grateful we are for the school. And do you know what? The number one thing that happens to me is that the the teachers and the principals, they come up to me and they say, I cannot thank you. I, I can't, that was amazing. And then they're shocked that anybody did it. I've watched people cry because we gave them the cards. And I'm like, my Lord, what? surely they would get this from everybody. And then you stand Listen, in, in New Zealand, our schools are amazing. I mean, they're ama- we don't have metal detectors. Hello? I mean, we, we, we can send our kids to public schools without fear. Like, they're amazing. And then, and then cr- parents are standing outside school gates moaning that a, a playground took a year longer to arrive than was scheduled. And they're just And I'm like, my Lord, you are a moron. Look at the school your children go to. These teachers don't get paid anywhere near enough for the amount of work that they're doing. You better say some big thank yous. Otherwise, they're going to find something else to do. And I'm very grateful that they do what they do. We need to be thankful. Come on. We got to get our thankfulness back. I feel like using a word for a female dog that's... Thatness. You know, we got too much of that in our culture, right? It's the closest I've ever come to an expletive in 16 years in this pulpit. But we are just so flippin' negative. That is not the Christian way of living. Our way of living is God. I could have spent eternity in hell, but you loved me. I'm deserving of the flames of judgment, but by your grace, you saved me. I am abundantly blessed and favored that I'm alive, and Jesus, you have been good to me. About for three seconds, we just give God some praise in every campus. Come on. Come on. Come on. I mean, when I coach sporting teams, it's amazing how many, how many, how many kids are not taught by their parents just to go and thank their coach. So I will change that culture every, every training. First training of the year. Guys, at the end of every training, at the end of every game, we say thank you to our coach. And we don't call him Bob, we call him coach. Just thankfulness. We, we need to be thankful. Be thankful for your boss. Everybody's like, me, 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 my boss, my boss, my boss, my boss. <laughs> Try becoming one. 
sleepless nights, contracts, people that don't pay you, but your workers still want to get paid. I mean, it's not, we, we just got to be thankful. In life groups over the next few weeks, by the way, if you're not in a life group, you are missing out on the greatest experience in your life. If you're a Christian and you're not in a life group, you're not in the will of God. I mean, honestly, Jesus, Jesus put them into, he said, you come to church on a Sunday and you get in homes and you break bread and prayer. Proverbs says that someone who is isolated is not wise. If you're a Christian and is not in a meaningful community of people that are intentionally growing in the things of God under leadership in a local church, then you're not wise. And Moses told the Israel, God told Jethro and became the instruction of God, put them in groups of 10. You need some people in your life. But in every life group this week, can I encourage every group this week, this month, take 15 minutes and let's go back over 2018 and let's think about what God has done. I promise you in your life group, there will be people whose lives have been totally turned around. And if you don't pause for that, what's going to happen is you're going to go into Christmas only thinking about you. Well, that's a dumb way to live because people who do that end up resentful. But people who live their lives thinking about others have stuff and enjoy it. Man, that marriage. Wow, really? And just being in this life group, encourage them. Oh my gosh, that, that person, that school student, they had no sense of strength around their Christian faith, but being in my life group, hearing my story, that's encouraged them. Thankfulness. We've got to bring this back. This is a Christian, Christian thing. I want to give you today seven scientific benefits of gratefulness. I've never done this before, but they were so good that I just thought, man, I've got to go for the seven scientifically proven benefits of gratefulness. Number one, gratitude opens the door to more relationships. When people are grateful for people, that draws other people to you. This is a Christian thing. When we are grateful for people, it makes people drawn towards us. Lonely people are ungrateful people. Number two, gratitude improves our physical health. Grateful people experience fewer aches and pains than ungrateful people. They report feeling healthier than other people. They live longer than ungrateful people and they go to the doctor less. Grateful people improve their psychological health. It reduces toxic emotions. And then the study went on and listed them. Envy, resentment, frustration, regret are all toxic emotions cured by gratitude. Christians, God's given you a way to be mentally healthier. Be grateful. Grateful people improve their happiness and reduce levels of depression. Grateful people enhance empathy and reduce aggression. Have you ever had this going down the road in a car and then somebody, you know, just gets really off their nana and they start, you know, going like this to you, but 1.5 fingers is raised in the air and, you know, they're, they're yelling words. You, you can't see what it is, but they, you think they're saying truck and, you know, like they're just, you're not quite sure what's going on. You ever had that experience? Whenever that happens to me and I'm driving down the street with, with my car, with my kids or with Jillian, this is what I always say. I always say, guys, don't worry. It's probably the only thing in his life. I didn't even realize what I was saying until I read this study. I'm literally saying, I don't need to win this traffic fight because I've got my wife, 
I've got my children. I've got a church family that love me. And it just literally, that gratitude is just sending that angst away from me. Isn't that crazy? I feel like I just want to pause there for a second. But people are like, rah, 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 all the time. Easily volatile, quickly provoked. Maybe it is their only thing to win that moment because they're not grateful for every other thing that they have. <laughs> grateful people take negative feedback better, are less likely to seek revenge and are less easily provoked. Grateful people sleep better. Grateful people, before you go to bed, if you're struggling to sleep, this is, a, a, this is clinically proven to work, sit down and for 15 minutes, write down everything you are grateful for and surveys and studies have shown you will sleep better and longer. Number six, gratitude improves self-esteem. Grateful people reduces their social comparisons. Listen to this one. It takes athletes closer to their optimal performance personally. It en enables us to appreciate other people's accomplishments because we're just thankful for the ones that we have. Gratitude increases mental strength. It leads to a positive outlook, a belief that we can overcome, and the most missing ingredient in young adults and youth in our culture today is cured by gratitude, resilience. The ability to bounce back from difficulty comes when gratitude is in our hearts. And guys, I just feel like as a church, we just need to realize that the greatest cure to our societal problem, we don't want to have to wait for everything to be taken away from us before we become grateful for what we've got. So as a Christian, we can start now by developing an attitude of gratitude. We can develop the art of gratefulness in our lives. Now, the first king of Israel lost the throne because of a great inner turmoil within him. He struggled with insecurity, fear, depression. He was bitter and full of all kinds of harshness. His replacement was David, who not only became king, but enjoyed it. Well, let's get an insight into how David viewed the world as we bring this message to a close. Psalm 103, David wrote, and he said, Praise the Lord, O my soul, O my heart, all my thoughts, all my inmost being, praise His holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and don't forget all of His benefits. He forgave my sin. He healed my diseases. He redeemed my life from hell. He crowned me with love and compassion. He satisfied my desires with a new pair of shoes. My youth is renewed like the eagles. You'll get more energy and more youthfulness when you're a thankful person. Somebody over 40, pay attention. The Lord works righteousness. He made known His ways to Moses, His deeds to Israel. He is compassionate. He is gracious. He is slow to anger. He's abounding in love. He will not always accuse. He won't harbor His anger forever. He doesn't treat me like my 
sins deserve or repay me for my iniquities for as high as the heavens are above the earth. So, 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 I forgot my place. I lost it by looking to the heavens. So great is His love for those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far He has removed His transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear Him. For He knows how we were formed and He remembers that we are dust. For as a man's days, as for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower in the field. The wind blows it over and it is gone and its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear Him and His righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep His covenant and obey His precepts. The Lord has established His throne in heaven and His kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, His angels. Praise the Lord, all the heavenly hosts. Praise the Lord, all His works everywhere in His dominion. Praise the Lord, oh my soul. The whole psalm is David saying, God is amazing and I better live with gratefulness towards Him. And guys, as we close out this year, few tired bodies, few Christmas deadlines, few stressful things we're trying to get over the line, but in the middle of it all, let's make sure we don't hit Christmas begrudging, bitter, envying, resenting. How about we stop right now and we say, God, You are amazing. You have blessed my life. I am undeserving of Your love. You have richly blessed me. I'm separating myself from the feeling that I need more and I'm acknowledging the wonder of who You are. If you would like to find out more about Arise Church and Pastor John Cameron, visit arisechurch.com or connect with us on Instagram at arisechurch and at johncameronnz.